Okay, so I just want to let you in on something because we're being asked this a whole lot. So that way uh, you're, you're on the same page as us. Uh, many of you have been asking, why are we coming out through the back and no longer through the front? So as the family of God, this is like our little meeting. Uh, what we've been noticing is sometimes it can be distracting on both sides. But also, uh, in the future, what we're going to do is, I don't know if I should, I, I guess I can say this, you're, you're the family. Um, should have talked to our council first. Um, if they're here tonight, then do I have your approval to say what I'm about to say? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but in the future, we're, we're redesigning our sanctuary so that uh, we can add more seats uh, more forward. And so the stage is actually going to be pushed back. So when the stage is pushed back, we're rethinking of how we're going to do the stairs and if we're going to have any. And if not, then how would we come onto the stage? So that's why we've been coming through the back and practicing that because there's so many things to think through just walking through these curtains. So that's the reason why we're uh, doing this. And uh, it's uncomfortable because it's something new. But just to let you know that's the reason, there's really no, you know, super spiritual reason other than logistics and location. We're all good? Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, let's go. So let's take out your, uh, your notes. And because we're here on Wednesday night, we always look at how God equips us. That's what our Wednesday nights are for. It's to be equipped. And the Bible says that he equips the saints for the work of the ministry. That's the scripture we've been going through throughout all the weeks. And God has equipped all of us to do something for Him. Did you know that you are all ministers for God? You're all ministers unto God. You don't need a pastor's license or some title in the church to minister unto God. All you need to do is believe in Jesus and be a witness for Him. In other words, what you're doing is you're living a life for Jesus Christ now, some people will say, yeah, but my life is not all together. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I'm still living in sin. Yeah, I, I still have these flaws in my life. Uh, I'm, I'm still uh, going through this. Listen, all of us are going through something. It's just at different stages of this thing we call maturity. We're all at different stages. And so God will use one to do this, another to do this, but together as the body of Christ, He uses us all to accomplish His good works. So don't feel like you're disqualified because you're not doing something according to the will of God. You only disqualify yourself in this way, in certain areas that you know God is asking you to serve in, or certain things you know God is asking you to do and you disobey, then you disqualify yourself for that. But to be a believer or someone who is a minister unto God, that is something that is God-given. It's a gift that He gave to all of us to be ministers unto Him. The challenge for all of us is, where is God taking us and who is He making us to be? Because if, let's just say, for instance, God says for me that you're going to be the senior pastor of this church. But I go clubbing, I go drinking, I get drunk, I do drugs, I do all these things. I will disqualify myself to do this. So as you can tell, the things that God wants us to do, yes, He wants us to lay aside every sin and encumbrance that easily entangles us so that we can run the race that is before us. Now, being ministers unto God and, and being people who are a witness to God, we actually will bring credibility to people by our lifestyle. That's why when we look at 
what we've done and where we're going and what God sees in our life, sometimes it doesn't match up because God says, I see this for you, but we're saying, but I'm okay with this. And I, I'm, I'm okay with living in this kind of lifestyle. I know this is what you see, but I'm comfortable here. And God is saying, I have a miracle for you up ahead. Last week, Pastor Marsha talked about uh, opened up the series on miracles of Christ, and she talked about the, the water that was turned into wine. Uh, if you missed it, uh, it's online on newhopehilo.org, and you can catch it and uh, get up to speed with where we're at. But one of the questions that she left us with is, what area of your life do you need to simplify and let go and trust that Jesus is at work, even if you don't understand? What area of your life that you, you just got to let God take control and, and trust that he knows what's happening. This is what he sees. This is where we are. And if he's saying, here's what I want to do so you can get here, sometimes we don't trust what he's doing because we don't see what he sees. But he's saying, no, this is what I want to do in your life because this is where I'm bringing you to. I, I want to say this for many of us that sometimes we don't trust the decisions that God makes. And sometimes we don't even trust the decisions that we make. Even when we make a decision that we feel is best under the will of God, and we say, God, I believe you're saying this, and then we make a decision, sometimes we don't even know where we're going, but we do know this. Even though we may not trust decisions, we can trust God in the process of that decision. See, it's, it's not about if I do necessarily right or wrong. It's really, am I following the Lord's direction in my decisions that I'm choosing? Am I following what He's saying? Am I moving in the right direction according to the will of God, according to the Word of God? Now, where do the miracles come in? Why, why, so, uh, why do we need to talk about the miracles of Christ? Because that happened over 2,000 years ago. So why do we have to bring up the miracles of Jesus Christ? Isn't, wouldn't it just be great that we just read the Bible, it's cool stories, and then move on? Well, we could only if the Bible didn't say that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means the miracles that He did then, He's still doing today. Now, almost instantly, you'll be thinking, okay, so when we talk about miracles, then we're talking about uh, the, the man whose hand was deformed, and then Jesus spoke brought healing and his hand became normal or his, his hand grew into a, a, what we see today. Or the miracle of someone who died and then Jesus brought them back to life. And we look at those miracles. And sometimes we'll miss the real miracles of God by looking at the physical rather than the spiritual application. And tonight, we're going to look more on the spiritual side as well as some of the physical but we don't want to miss the miracles that Jesus is still doing by focusing only on the physical healings that Jesus did. Now, does Jesus do physical healings today? Absolutely. There are some churches that they don't believe that Jesus still does miracles. That's on them. If they want to believe that, that's fine. But that's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples that you will do greater things than what you see me doing. When Jesus was here on the earth, in his physical body, he could only be at one place at one time. 
When he ascended, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Remember, he breathed on the disciples and gave them the Holy Spirit. So now he can be everywhere around the earth through the body of Christ. So he's still performing miracles. Now, there's many definitions of miracles. People ask, what really is a miracle? I think uh, just to kind of average it out, what a miracle is, it's, it's an event that takes place that only God can do, only God can perform, or can only be explained by the power of God. We can do certain things. You know, we can, we can uh, uh, do certain things that people say, wow, that's a miracle that they could do that. You win a basketball game, last shot, you know, three quarters of the court. Wow, that's a miracle they won, they came back. Well, the miracle as far as that team should have lost, but not in the miracle of God did that kind of thing. If he did, great. If not, we can't use that as, well, if God then made a basketball go into a rim, then that must mean that that's the miracle of God. Because some people will say that. Well, it went in because of God. I don't know. I don't know if I want to bring the miracles of God to a basketball going in the rim. I don't know. If, if you want to believe that, that's fine. I just don't know if that's something that we want to use as a miracle from God. Because sometimes we'll focus so much on the physical miracles that we miss out on the spiritual miracles. And Jesus is saying, I, I'm more concerned about your soul. That's, that's my concern. Not necessarily the physical body. And, and if you're only concentrating on the physical side, you're, you're missing the greater part, which is your soul. The miracles of Jesus, as Pastor Marshall was saying last week, there's so many that you couldn't write enough books. You couldn't put together enough words to explain all the miracles that took place. There would be no library that could contain these books. But still, the miracles did happen. Miracles happen every day in our lives, and sometimes we miss it because we always look for the physical healings or the physical kinds of miracles rather than the spiritual kinds of miracles. Every, every healing, if you look at it in the Bible, was a miracle. But not every miracle were healings. If you look at the healings that Jesus did, every single one of them were miracles. But not all miracles are healings as far as the physical body goes because that's what we normally focus on. It's kind of like this, and I, I've, I've done this before, and this happened in my life where I used to drink at parties and then I would get drunk and I was with my friends and woohoo, everybody having a good time kind of thing. Then I came to know Jesus Christ, stopped drinking, and then would still go to parties, but I wouldn't drink. I'd also have a bottle of water or something like that. And, and then my friends would say, hey, hey, you like one drink? I said, no, no, I'm good. They said, no, no, come on, come on, come on. I said, no, no, I quit. Huh? No way. I said, yeah, yeah, I just, I, I, I just, I don't have the desire anymore. What happened? I said, well, I, you know, and then I talked to them about me coming to know the Lord and things like that. And, and that's what they say. No way, bro, that's a miracle. That's what they say. That's a miracle. Some of you, you go through that and, and, and you go through a change and maybe someone says something to you and you respond in a different way and, and they're thinking, wow, you're different. What happened? In your mind, you got to think, it's a miracle. God did something in my life that only can be explained by Him and His Spirit. He did a miracle in my life. Now, every single miracle 
Because we love miracles. We love miracles. Everyone stands in line for miracles. People fly the continents to go experience miracles. But here's where we run into some difficulties. With every single miracle, every single one, they all start with a problem. There's no miracles without problems. Every single miracle starts off with a problem. So that should get you excited because if you're running into problems right now, your miracle is just about to happen. And if you're saying, oh man, I have so much problems in my life, you're going to have so many miracles in your life. You have a story to tell. Now, the only way the miracles happen is through God. It's not going to happen by our own power. It's not going to happen through our own ability. It's going to happen through the power of God. Don't miss that. Because we can leave here saying, I get plenty of problems. Yeah! Miracles! I can have choke miracles! You don't want to stay at the problems and keep hoping for miracles. You, you want to say to the Lord, yes, I'm in these problems, but you're, you, you're saying you can help me through these problems and you're going to bring a miracle in my life. In the book of Colossians, and you can turn there, Colossians 3.16. I'm going to read Colossians 3.16 and 17. And we've been going through this a little bit. I'm sorry, not 316. I'm reading it right now and I'm thinking that's not the scripture. I think it's 116. Let's go to there. Thank God for scripture memory. Uh, Colossians 1.16. Yeah. Yeah, if you read the, read the other one later. It's hilarious if you read it in the context of what we're talking about. They're talking about Laodiceans and all these other people. So, uh, Colossians 1.16. It says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. So remember that, okay? Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And that's the word we want to look at, that all things consist. That word consist is to hold things together. That by him, all things are held together. Now, I don't know if there are some physicists here or scientists, but... In the thermonuclear kinds of uh, theories and, and how thermonuclear uh, scientific studies go, there is a word that they use that the Bible is actually using uh, in the book of Peter. And it's a word, stokion. And it's a word referring to the structure of the physical or material universe. So technically, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll stay on course, but I... I we need to discuss this part because this is probably the coolest thing we're going to learn tonight. It, it, it's the, in the universe and how we're created and the things that hold us up, the chair that you, you're sitting on, there's, there's structure put to it. But beyond that, microscopically, you have, you have these different... Uh, Structures holding you, to, holding you up, holding it together, and 
If you were to take a microscope and look deep down inside the things that hold us up, you're going to be able to see the protons and neurons and all of these things that are the structure holding you up. Now, all of these things put together, they're not really touching each other. There's space between the chair that's holding you up. It's kind of weird, but there is. It's not really a solid structure. Even our body, it's not a solid structure. There's space between the different neurons and all of these different cells that make up our body. There's space between them. We, we know what's holding us together. We know, scientifically, what holds our cars together, what holds the chairs we sit on together. We, scientifically, we can prove that. But here's where it, it's a little, it's a mystery to even the scientific community. They don't know how it's held together. If these chairs have space between them with the different neurons and protons, if there's space between them, then what holds them together? How does that happen? Our most brilliant scientists have studied and analyzed how all this works, but they still can't figure out how it's held together. They can try and explain it, but still it comes to the end result of but they don't know how it's held together. If you know how it's held together, then you can let them know. Let's turn to 2 Peter 3.10. In 2 Peter 3.10, it can be a little spooky if we don't know exactly the context of it. But in 2 Peter 3.10, it's talking about the day of the Lord or when Jesus comes back. In 2 Peter 3.10, it's in the New Testament way towards the back. But it says this in verse 10, 2 Peter chapter 3, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now let's stop right there. Now, I know some of us have some, you know, uh, criminal backgrounds. And so, some of us were thieves. We would steal things. And a good thief would be able to take something without someone knowing it's gone. Now, keep that in mind, okay? But you since repented, you love the Lord now, and you don't do that anymore. <laughs> but that's what the Bible is referring to. Someone, someone who's able to without even knowing, as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, 
we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, if we think of our universe, our solar systems, once in a while, we can see certain things break out of its orbit, you know, like an asteroid or, or a, maybe a comet that, even comets, they go in a certain orbit. But our solar system, it, it orbits to the, I mean, to the precise second. It's, it's that perfect. And God created it that way, and He holds all these things together. But there will come a day, as the Bible says in Second Peter, that, that the elements will melt with fervent heat. It's interesting that the very word that is used in nuclear circles in this context for the molecular structure that holds all things together in that nuclear explosion when it's released is the same word that we find in 2 Peter and it's that word stokion. That when there's a nuclear explosion that the heat is so intense that it melts. In fact, things liquefy. There are certain bombs that will go off. It won't liquefy. It'll just destroy everything. But in a thermonuclear explosion, things liquefy. Now, if we look at what the Bible is saying in 2 Peter 3.10, and what scientists are saying, when a thermonuclear bomb goes off and things liquefy, it's the same principle that takes place. The day of the Lord, when He comes back, things will liquefy. Now, why will it do that? Why will it have the same result as a thermonuclear bomb? It's because He won't hold everything together anymore. This body that we have, it's not solid. He's holding it all together. So once He comes back, we won't need this body. But it's our spirits that will continue on. So if you're wondering what it's going to be like, I really don't know. All I know is, the Bible says, if I believe in Him, I will be okay. So you'll have different people, you'll, you'll go on uh, online or you'll watch YouTube videos, the end of the world. Uh, there's studies going on and, and the Mayan calendar of 2012 and the movie came out and now people are freaked out because of this year. It's 2012 and everybody's wondering, what are we going to do? Believe in Jesus. That's, I mean, that's the best thing to do. Just put your trust in God. And the Bible says, that's why I'm glad when people try to, uh, they try to predict what day the end of the world is going to be. I'm thinking, yes, because it's not going to be the day. Because the Bible says, no man knows the day or time. So when people predict, I'm okay with that. It doesn't bother me much. Live your life according to the will of God. Don't be, um, don't be uh, afraid of it or, or rattled by it. Uh, even in the, the, the predictions that people make, as far as the end of the world on the Mayan calendar, there's, they, have, they have different theories behind it too. The devil doesn't care if we really follow God. What he really wants us to do is be distracted by what God wants us to do. He doesn't care if you... If you follow his ways or not, or follow, uh, Satan doesn't care if you follow his ways. If he can distract us, 
if it can keep us busy from what God wants to do in our lives, He's okay. Remember now, He's the craftiest. And so now, the elements, the Bible says, will melt away. Our spirit is very important because that's what will last this fervent heat. So here's my question. Are you taking care of your spirit? Are you feeding your spirit? Are you in the Word of God? Do you eat more meals physically than you do spiritually? Are you more concerned about your physical body, which we need to? The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, so we need to take care of our bodies. But are we more concerned about what's happening on the outside than we are in our soul? Are we letting our souls get ruined by the things we do with our physical body? Are we taking good care of our spirits? Why do we need to know all of this? Think about the power of Jesus Christ, the Creator, that He's Lord over all creation. But He's not only creating, or He's not only the Creator, He's also the Sustainer, that He holds all of this together. Turn to Hebrews 1.3. In Hebrews 1.3, it says, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. And upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, listen very carefully. You and I, being held together physically by Jesus Christ, are also being held together spiritually by the one who sits at the right hand of God, at the throne of God. Now, I know we can't really imagine what that looks like because we're here on this earth. We have not seen the throne of God. But if you can just imagine, just in, in our humanity, that if you were to meet the President of the United States and... He appointed you to be the person that sits at the right hand or being their right hand person. That's a place of high honor. Think about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, a place of high honor. That place of high honor, it can almost seem like, whoa, he's untouchable because that's a place of high honor. But not this king. He's the, he's the one that comes to us to touch us to bring a miracle into our lives. So if you're trying to picture what does that look like, we're not going to be able to imagine. And the Bible says that no one has seen or heard the wonderful things that God has prepared. But what we can do, as the Bible says, is to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Because that's where our spirits will be built up. If we're not building our spirit, then our flesh will automatically take over. I'll read the New Living Translation as Hebrews 1.3 says. It says, The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. He sustains everything. I don't know about you, but I'm sure there are certain times where Jesus commands me to do something. 
And I thought, why would he have to command me? Why doesn't he just ask? I mean, if he asks, then I will do it. Well, there's certain things you'll command your children to do because you know it's not good for them if they do otherwise. You command them to do certain things. Sometimes Jesus has to command us to do certain things. Because He knows that if we don't, and if we're not commanded, and left up to option, we always take option B, which is the flesh. But when He says, no, I command you, then if He is our King, we will obey. He's the sustainer. He's the one that holds all things together. I'm going to close with this story in John chapter 20, and you can turn there. In John chapter 20, we're going to find how all of this comes into play with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because we can talk about thermonuclear elements and we can talk about the protons and atoms and and all these things. But what does that have to do with my personal walk with Jesus Christ? In John chapter 20, I'm going to read verses 19 through 26. It says, Then the same day at evening, and this is when Jesus died and was resurrected, but he did not ascend yet to the Father. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, and they shut the door for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe Remember now, he was nailed to the cross, so he had the wounds, and he had the other wound on his side, because that's where they pierced him. After eight days, his disciples were again inside. And now, Thomas was with them. Now, this is eight days later. So, Thomas is saying, I'm not going to believe what you saw, because I didn't see it myself. Unless I can witness it myself, I'm not going to believe When Thomas was with them, Jesus came. The doors being shut. you got to picture this place. Doors locked. Jesus shows up and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Now, he has to say that because they were afraid. If you were there, you'd be afraid too. With the doors locked and all of a sudden, here's Jesus. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. We'll look at that and we'll say, wow, that was, that's good for Thomas. You know, he got to see the Lord and, and, and he got to touch the side. He got to touch the wounds. And so now Thomas believes and Jesus said, no, blessed are those who don't see and then believe. And we can read that story and miss the miracle. Because the cool thing was that Jesus showed up. How did he do that? How did he just show up? How could Jesus just come straight through? Did he just kind of just poof, pop up? What did he do? Now watch this. I love this about Jesus Christ. Because Jesus knows the molecular structure of how things are held together, he's able to quickly walk right through them. Because he knows exactly how they're made up. He holds them together. Illusionists move walls to perform a trick. Jesus goes right through them to perform a miracle. What walls are surrounding you that you just know God is just about to perform a miracle? And if there's something between you and God, and it's a wall, thanks be to Jesus Christ, because he can walk right through them and show up, even in the midst of locked doors. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me and let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, our prayer tonight is to continue to stay focused on you. That as we look unto you, the miracles that take place in our life, sometimes we miss because we're looking for the physical things. But may we see and trust you. The things that go on in our lives, we can look in retrospect and say, thank you so much. Thank you for being a great God. And and thank you for all the miracles that you have done. But you said, blessed are those who do not see, but they believe. And so tonight, Lord, we believe for the miracles in our lives. We believe for the miracles of restored relationships. We believe in the miracles of of our finances. We believe in the miracles of even our health, the miracles of, of forgiveness, the miracles of a changed heart, a changed life. We pray for the miracle of salvation. Miracles are are explained by your power. And so for many of us right now, Lord. We're not necessarily waiting for a miracle. We're trusting in you. And that through our faith in you, miracles are possible. If it's physical, great. If it's spiritual, even better. So we trust you tonight. We thank you. We pray for everyone here tonight. That we all, this week, wouldn't be looking for necessarily the miracles. But we'll be looking for the one who performs the miracles, and that's you, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. We all said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. We thank the Lord.